From Creative Force, I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. This upcoming weekend is Halloween here in the United States, and while some of our listeners won't celebrate by going door-to-door with their kids asking for candy, we thought we'd put together this special episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast that we call Studio Nightmares. While there aren't too many spooky stories that take place in a photo studio, there are plenty of embarrassing, funny, and otherwise very cringeworthy stories out there. This episode is a collection of some of these stories from friends, colleagues, and past guests of the podcast. You'll hear from Adam Queen. We hear sirens going off in the background because Ohio, they have all the tornadoes and all that. You know, these sirens go off and you kind of just like, you don't really worry about it anymore. You've heard them so many times. You'll hear from Jen Bakia. We bought the extra heavy duty post-its after that. (laughs) Kimmy Snow. I mean, the loudest studios are just so echoey. So it's just the loudest boom you've ever heard in your life. I crack one of my nails off. It's bleeding. Elizabeth Soronko. Because you're just sitting there and you're like, okay, like I just let all of like Hannah and Abigail are just hanging out out there and like, here they are. And yours truly. Holes all down my right side. Like holes in the back pocket, holes in the front pocket, holes down by the knee. And my leg where my skin was exposed below the knee was just completely thrashed. So sit back and have a little fun at our expense. This is Studio Nightmares, Volume 1. Our first story comes from Adam Queen. Adam and I started together at Hotlook on the same day in 2013. Adam is originally from Ohio and started his career in photography well before the explosion of e-com studios around the time of the Great Recession. This is a story of an outdoor shoot in Ohio that we call Don't Sail Away. All right. I'm trying to think. This was probably, Jesus, how old am I? 43. I was probably 20 years old, just getting into the industry. I was pretty sure I was still in college interning for my new boss at the time, and we were one of our main clients at this studio, tiny studio, this studio was an old church. It had six windows that all had old glass in it mm. that we shot mostly natural light out of. And it just so happens that this one client, Scott's Miracle Grow, we ended up shooting everything outside in the grass next to this old church. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Miracle Grow. So yeah, Miracle Grow. <laughs> it was it was bright and sunny out. It was the middle of summer. It was hot. This was in the middle of Ohio. So we would have like these random thunderstorms that would always roll in like in the afternoon. Those crazy Um, weather patterns of the Ohio River Valley. And and every (laughs) once in a while, they they just pick up out of nowhere and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, totally. But we had one of these massive silks that we were setting up so we could create just this really nice, soft, even light. Yeah, it's sunny. They shoot cars with it. It's sunny. You're kind of trying to knock down that sunlight a little bit, get a little bit more control. Yep. And so this photographer that I worked with was all natural light photographer for the most part. And this was, you know, his only way of controlling light was diffusing it and then bouncing light back into the shot just to make it look a little bit edgier. So it wasn't coming directly from overhead. Um, And, and we had this massive silk. It was on these two big rollers. You know, they were probably like movie set, like style C stands with the big rollers on there. The silk was probably lifted up. I want to guess 
probably 12 feet in the air, you know, enough to walk under, but not enough, you know, to really get extra light in yeah. through the sides or anything. And this is one of the big boys you're talking about, right? Like a 12 by or bigger. Yeah. Like 12 foot by 12 foot, just massive. And, you know, we had a couple tables under there for prepping, you know, all these flowers and everything that was going in the background of the shoot, like probably the middle of the shoot, we were close to, you know, wrapping and then all of a sudden these storms just start rolling in and we, we hear sirens going oh. off in the background because ohio they have all the tornadoes and all of that and, you know these sirens go off and you kind of just like you don't really worry about it anymore you've heard them so many times just like all right another storm's rolling through there might be something coming but no i mean the wind picked up and it probably gusts you know 40 50 miles an hour and it just took this silk <laughs> right out of the sky and you know our client was like down on the ground like fixing the grass of the the turf to make it you know stand up a little bit more for this you know i, th- I think we were on our last shot that we were doing and it just came down and crashed like right past them oh. with all these stands and the whole thing just like blew up into a hundred pieces <laughs> oh my god and, uh, and nobody was hurt though everybody was okay nobody was hurt you, and, oh you know, my gosh it, the whole thing was like ruined luckily we had the shot that we needed thanks to my old friend adam for sharing that story with us up next past podcast guest jen bakia you may remember jen from episode six of the podcast she manages the studio for granger they sell many different types of industrial equipment and components some of which may not be familiar to the team on set, and they might need some hints as to what side of the product is the front. This is Beware of Fans. So when our studio was downstairs and we had a limited amount of space, we had staggered start times. The assistant would come in at 7 a.m. and the photographer would come in at 9 a.m. So the assistant and the studio supervisor, they were cleaning up all the products. They put the SKU numbers and post-it notes on every single product to make it very easy for the photographer to understand the orientation, pick up the product, lay it on the set, and shoot it. When the photographer came in at nine, I don't know, maybe the coordinator was on break or something, the stylist was on break. Out of habit, they turn on the robot, they turn on the lights, they turn on the fan because it's hot and it's the summer, And the post-it notes go all over the entire studio and not just in the studio, outside of the studio into the GTP goods to person, huge conveyor system. (laughs) What did you guys do? Did you, did you solve, did you solve that from ever happening again? We bought the extra heavy duty (laughs) post-its after that. (laughs) So the photographer then, basically what we're talking about here is the post-it notes, I think, were a cue for how things are oriented. Because when you're shooting certain types of product, you may have no idea which way is up or down, but your customer's going to know. Your customer's going to absolutely know what they're looking for and which way it goes. Actually, it's even worse than that. It was the product number, the SKU number. So when we have 50 pipe fittings and they all are elbows, you have to then figure out which one is SKU 123X456. That is a nightmare. Yeah. That is absolute. That is a showstopper. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jen. Jen shared that with us when we recorded her initial episode. Many thanks to Jen for being a guest and for sharing that story. Next up, we have Kimmy Snow. Kimmy and I have known each other for something like 18 years, and we were co-workers together at Hot Look along with Adam Queen. 
This story takes place when she was interviewing for her current role at Bass Pro Shops in a tale we call I Man a Can't. I was so excited. Flew out for my interview, had a couple days here, you know, got all ready. Don't know why, but was extremely concerned about my nails being the same length, right? Like there's just, Mm -hmm. there's like irrational things that you go into an interview and you're like, if I need to be super polished, button is off, like, that's that we're not, I'm not going to get You're interviewing for like a stylist supervisor role. So you need to be styled. Yes. Styled to Capital the nines. D. <laughs> <Styled>. <laughs> no, with, with a T at the end. Styled. Styled. <laughs> <laughs> so get there. Super cold. I'm not used to any kind of coldness in my life because I'm from California. This is in Missouri for our Missouri. listeners. You were born and raised in Southern California like me. And this yeah. is your, one of your first times in a part of the country with weather. Exactly, exactly. And it was like February in Missouri. So could be sunshine or could be snowing, like didn't know what you're getting into. So anyways, have a big coat on, come in, get welcomed in, you know, normal interview things, get walked around the studio, introduced to the team, all of that. That particular day was a Friday. And you know, as studios, we love us a good uh, team bonding, team building activity. So that day was a chili cook-off. Oh, Oof. tell me about it. What a day to interview. I know. So they're like, do you want to stay and eat some chili later? And I'm like, yeah, of course. How long can I stay? <laughs> yeah. No, my interview was like three hours. Like I was there for so long. Just, just two hours just, just eating trying, chili. Yeah. Just trying everybody's pots of chili, you know, given my two cents. Mm-hmm. So meet the team. They're like, okay, yeah, later we'll have some chili, whatever. Then finally, they're like, let's do some test shots, which is pretty normal, you know, pretty normal. I was expecting it. What I wasn't expecting, the mannequins that they had in the studio were kind of rigged like window mannequins that have then been put on a piece of plywood with canisters underneath so you can wheel them around. So there wasn't a ton of like heavy bottom weight. Mm. So I go to position the mannequin in place. And I just basically shoved this mannequin over. <laughs> you just came in too hot. <laughs> came in too hot, too excited. Shove this mannequin over. At the same time, everybody's walking in because, you know, it's chili cook-off day. So not yeah. only is it like photo studio members, it's like creative department, like 30 yeah. people I'll eventually be working with if I get the job, probably won't. Cause I just, you know, shattered everything. You just like had a grudge against this mannequin <laughs> and pushed it down. Yeah. So it falls down completely. The back of it cracks open. I mean, the loudest studios are just so echoey. So it's just the loudest boom you've ever heard in your life. I crack one of my nails off. It's bleeding. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm holding my, and it's like, it's one of those moments where like, if you were in school and you walk into a classroom late and like everybody turns and looks at you, it was that, it was that. And so everybody turns and looks at me and I just, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I hold up my good hand. That's not dripping of blood. And I just wave and I said, I'll walk myself out. Don't worry. Full-blown recover the whole time. I'm just holding my finger so that nobody sees that I'm bleeding everywhere. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to like have an equipment accident, but the minute that you're dripping fluids in the studio, you're like, this isn't going great. Right. Well, and then I still had 16 bowls of chili I had to eat. You You had to work your way down the line still. I'm like, can we get some extra napkins for this chili? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, you know, moral of the story is if you want to land your dream job, just go in and destroy something. Destroy the place. Completely destroy it. All of their food. And, you know, yeah, just tear it up. Just tear it up. And probably, you know, maybe they'll think of you again. If your story doesn't involve a chili cook-off, what are we even doing? Thankfully, Kimmy got that job and is loving her time at Bass Pro. This next story from my friend Elizabeth Soranko. One thing you have to be aware of is in a photo studio, you never know what the camera is going to catch. We call this story Hannah and Abigail. As a stylist, you're constantly kind of like, maneuvering around products, whether it be a handbag, a t-shirt on the floor, whatever. And, you know, often as a female, you get dressed and you don't really put a whole lot of mindset behind like, Hey, I'm going to wear this like little jean top blouse, whatever, or V-neck t-shirt. And you're really not worrying about that outfit choice until about 1130. And you're kind of going through pictures and you start looking at the most recent shot on the screen and you realize that like the overhead shot has totally caught your breasts and you might've even had a little bit of a nip slip and you're (laughs) only hopeful that you actually were like a decent bra that day because you're just sitting there and you're like, okay, like I just let all of like Hannah and Abigail are just hanging out out there and like (laughs) here they are. And it is what it is. And, and then you're like, you're red faced and you kind of look at the photographer to see if they saw what you saw. And absolutely. Cause it's right there. But, yeah, immediate uh, delete. <laughs> Reach immediate for that delete. delete. Key. Yeah. You get dressed in the morning and the mirror in your bathroom offers a great perspective as to what most people are going to see. Yeah. But the unique nature of the photo studio is that you have this perspective of the camera too. And you don't always think about it when you're getting dressed. You're not thinking about, I'm going to be standing under a camera facing straight down all day. No. In fact, what's even more embarrassing is like, okay, maybe you get like a little shot of like a bra or whatever, but the worst is when it's like all the way down to your belly button. So like all the way through. <laughs> there's like no mystery about what's going on in there. Like if I had a tummy tattoo, like it would be totally, totally visible. Um, your yin yang dolphins are showing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think live view is just really unapologetically just there for you. I can remember a handful of shots where also I was working on the ground and looking and, you know, as photographers are setting up lighting, a lot of times stylists are just kind of getting the product in frame and making sure things are starting to kind of get to where you want it to to be. And as a stylist, every once in a while, you're like, oh, I should probably just look over. Am I straight? Like all the product getting in the shot or whatever. And I can remember also looking over and like, oh my gosh, that's my butt crack. Like, yeah. And that was enough for me to be like, is there a stylist bodysuit that I could figure out to start, <laughs> start, start wearing? And Just pockets for the built-in pin cushion, for one thing, right? Yep. A place to put clips. I think we might be onto something here, Elizabeth. Seriously. Like, there should be a uniform, like a leotard stylist yeah. bodysuit that, like, you can wear that, like, you can get in any 
situation. And I mean, I'm sure there's some dudes that have wore some short shorts lately and they probably got themselves in some compromised positions as well. I'm pretty sure that I got rid of all of my low cut jeans after that said experience. And then now all of my jeans fall just under my bosoms. So <laughs> there's no, no chance of any angles. There's just, yeah, no chance. I wear a turtleneck to work. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, I think I've told you before, like I'm a never nude and you know, there's a good chance that underneath those denim jeans that go up to just under my bosoms, there's another pair of jeans. <laughs> just to be sure. Just to be sure. Amazing, Elizabeth. Elizabeth and I work together at Amazon, and she is currently the senior multimedia producer for Tuft & Needle. But she's out on maternity leave taking care of her newborn twins. Congratulations to Elizabeth, and thank you for taking the time out of your leave to share that story with us. Last up, yours truly. I share the story of how I almost ruined our favorite break time activity by getting in way over my head. I told the story to Kimmy while we recorded her story you heard earlier, So you'll hear some of my dear friend's commentary on what I call shredded. So, Kimmy, you and I worked together at Hotlook in 20... I started in 2013. When did you start? That same year or were you after? I was same year, just six months later. Right. Okay. So we worked together at Hotlook. I was a photographer and you were a stylist. And you may remember... That me and at least one other photographer and then one of the other stylists that we all had skateboards at one point. Yes. Fun times. And we would go out. We had, yeah, we had our, (laughs) I had bought one specifically for this purpose. I think the other guys had skateboards already. They saw how cool you looked. Or you saw. No, I. You saw how cool they looked. (laughs) I saw how cool they looked and I was like, that looks like fun. We had that private parking lot. So the studio at Hotlook had a private parking lot that was just for studio staff. Yes. And it was laid out in a way that we could like just skateboard in a circle. And so we would skate around during our breaks to get some like fresh air. That studio is in a really nice area. It's tucked up in the right. Southern California foothills and it's kind of a nice like spot. There's not a lot of other buildings around. Yeah. Nice little mountain and, view. Yeah. Nice views and stuff. And so we would skateboard around the parking lot just to kind of get some fresh air, get a little bit of exercise. And it was really fun. And I had bought, you know, one of these newer, like, hybrid, it was like a longboard, kind of a cruiser style, but it wasn't super long. It was, like, kind of compact. It could go very fast. Okay. And I got the bright idea one day. I can't remember if it was you. It may have been you, but it might have been somebody else. Was going to go run an errand during lunch. And I said, hey, was, since you're running out. It was probably. Was me. it you? It was probably. Yeah, it was probably. I went grocery yeah. shopping on my lunch break all the time there. <laughs> Yeah. As one does. does. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because we had that refrigerator. You just stock it up with your milk and eggs and then take them home at the end of the day. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So we had the luxury of an hour-long lunch, which is not super common for a lot of studio teams anymore. It felt quite luxurious. You could go get your lunch and then, like, come take a nap. Yeah. So you were going to go run an errand, and I got this bright idea to say, hey, drop me off. You know, there was a small... Not exactly a shopping center, but like an area about a half mile down the road that had like a couple of gas stations, a couple of fast food places. Yeah. And so I said, drop me off over there and I'm just going to grab some lunch and then I'll just skateboard back to the studio. I did not consider that coming that direction back towards where the studio is down that road was a hill. I'd be going downhill. 
And it's the kind of hill that in a car, you don't really think twice about it. Yeah, it's just a hill. It it's right away. It's not the kind of hill that's like insanely steep for a car. It's just a hill. It's right. just a small hill. On a skateboard, on a very fast skateboard, as soon as I crested that hill, I was already going too fast. Already. Like, I immediately realized that I was in grave danger. <laughs> Wait, wait, are you I, it, still holding like your bag of lunch? I had a bag from Del Taco. <laughs> and a fry in my mouth. I had a bag of, hand. I had a bag from Del Taco and I believe I had at the time I remember I was buying oh my god, this is too specific for this podcast, but I was like the gas station over there also had Aquafina, the big like liter bottles oh, of Aquafina, yeah. like two for three dollars. Yeah. And I don't remember if we didn't have like non-tap water in the studio or something yeah, but for like some reason i was buying them to like keep around on set and stuff strapping so i had back yeah i had that in one hand and i had my del taco bag in the other hand and i quickly realized that i am going faster like i'm no longer in control of the skateboard and that was like right as i crested the hill and i had probably i don't know 200 more feet to go down this hill and so i realized i'm going fast and i'm like i can't I'm going too fast for me to stop this I can't there's nothing that I can do here I'm thinking I can bail off of the sidewalk onto the side but it wasn't grass or anything it was landscaped with like low hedges and I just pictured myself if I jumped into these hedges I pictured myself getting impaled by some branch or stick that I couldn't see for sure so I wasn't going to try to do that and as I'm trying to work out like what the heck am I going to do and for the listeners I wasn't a very experienced longboarder. I didn't know to use my foot to like slow myself down. I don't know if I was concerned about balance or whatever to like drag my foot or anything. I didn't think of it in the moment. It was an emergency and I was panicking. Well, and also you were just going too fast, too too fast, too quick. It happened so quickly, so quickly. And I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, what's going on? And I start to get those speed wobbles that if you've ever seen like a fail video online that usually precedes someone dramatically falling on the ground. (laughs) And my instinct was to like hunch down. And thankfully that got me out of the speed wobble. I stopped wobbling. I stabilized. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I have like a modicum of control. And I realized at this point, I'm like halfway down the hill. And at the bottom of the hill, where the hill sort of levels off and gets flat again, was the entry driveway to where you could get to the studio. And we shared that driveway with the semi trucks that would come in. So it was a very big, wide driveway and it was really smooth and paved with concrete. It wasn't like blacktop. And I realized like, oh my God, if I can just hang on, if I can hang on and stay in control of the skateboard, I have enough room in that driveway to make like a big sweeping right turn. I won't have to turn too quickly and I can just kind of smoothly go into this driveway, which starts to go back uphill and I'll be safe. I'll be totally fine. Right. And I'm thinking like, I can do this. I can, I'm just going to stay low. I'm going to stay in control and I'm going to do this. And just as I think that I'm out of the woods and that I'm going to be safe, I see coming into my vision In the state of California, and I think maybe other parts of the country too, but at least in the state of California, anywhere where a sidewalk begins to intersect where there could be vehicle traffic, they install these yellow mat things that like have this really aggressive texture to them. Yes. And I see that coming into my view and I think, I can't, I'm not going to be able to roll over that with this skateboard. Those things are like 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 Legos on steroids. It's like life-size bubble wrap that doesn't pop. Like that doesn't, (laughs) that's exactly right. 
I look and I see if the width of the wheels of the skateboard were like five and a half inches, I have maybe a six inch window of smooth concrete that I have to get through. I literally am going probably 16 or 17 miles an hour on the skateboard and have to like thread this needle. So I'm like, I got, I'm there. I'm not going to give up now. Right. I'm like, I'm almost to safety. And I aim for that little opening. My front two wheels clear. I'm good. The back wheel clips one of the little bumps. The skateboard flies out from underneath me. I slam down on the pavement and I slide on my, on my right side. I slide probably 18 feet. Like (laughs) the videos of the longboarders coming down. It was a slide dream. And it was purely skin and clothing on concrete. I had no protective equipment whatsoever. None at all. I stand up and I'm like, my adrenaline's pumping. So I'm unaware if I'm even injured or anything. And I like the skateboard had flown across the street. So I had to run across the street. My water bottle had flown somewhere else. I'm like collecting all of my stuff. I'm like, definitely there's people in the studio who are having lunch, looking out the window and saw this happen. Just saw me completely eat shit on the skateboard. So I come up inside and sure enough, one of the stylists was like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, I think I'm okay. And I look down and my shorts, I was wearing like, not jean cut off, but like some twill pants that I had cut into shorts. Chance. And some chance yep. holes all down my right side, like <laughs> holes in the back pocket, holes in the front pocket, holes down by the knee and my leg where my skin was exposed below the knee was just completely thrashed. Just, just at this point, it's dripping blood shredded. <laughs> I go into the bathroom and I find the weak little like six inch by six inch first aid kit or whatever that we had like mounted in the bathroom and I just had to use like everything in that kit to like stop myself from bleeding. You just end up taping the plastic kit to your leg. And it, <laughs> anything. Just wrapped anything in those paper towels. I'm double pulling those paper towels <laughs> out of the little dispenser one is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the automatic <laughs> towel feeder. Yes. And I'm like wrapping my leg. And it occurs to me, I'm like, oh my God, if the studio manager sees me in this condition He's not going to allow us to have skateboards right. for our break time, oh. fresh air at all. 100%. And I'm like, I have to hide this from him because I don't want to be the guy that ruins our break time skateboards because I had to get cute and go get my lunch from Del Taco <laughs> on a skateboard. <laughs> so for the whole rest of the day, and now now the pain has set in. I like had to rip open like three of those little packets of Tylenol from the first aid <laughs> kit. And I'm like dumping them in my mouth. <laughs> And for the whole rest of the day, the rest of the afternoon, I'm working on set. And anytime the studio manager came out and would like come and check in and chat with us, I had a piece of foam core that I just casually would hold down <laughs> by my side and completely hide the fact no that I had ripped know. my leg to shreds. No one will ever know. Yeah. No. <laughs> How are they going to know? How are they going to know? And it worked. I got out of it that day. Until but, you bled um, the foam core. Until I bled through the foam core. I bled through the bandages quite quickly and it was like a, a problem. And and that was one of the first times also I was – how old was I at the time? Maybe 27 or something? Yeah. That was one of the first times that I was like, oh, when you get a little bit older in life, you don't just bounce back from injuries like this. That shit hurts for several days. I had a hard time getting out of bed for a week following that because I couldn't put the weight on that. On that leg very much. Oh my gosh. So that's my that's my studio nightmare. Uh Total bleeding through train my, wreck. Just an absolute disaster. 
Well, that's it for this episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast. I hope you enjoyed that little change of pace. If you have a funny, embarrassing, or otherwise cringe-worthy story from your studio or photo shoot, send us an email at podcast at creativeforce.io. We may ask you to record your story for volume two in the future. Many thanks to all of our storytellers and thanks to you for listening. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to Sean O'Meara. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends.